on the last episode of Dice Funk. Are you going to withhold from him your part in killing everyone he's ever loved? No, no, not at all. You know, Tusk, you don't have to stay with us. If there's a chance that you guys can stop what's happening, then I want in on it. That's the way I can do the most good for my people. So Smashmouth swings the battle axe with both hands, and as it flies through the air right towards Violet's head, it turns. When the battle axe hit your horn, it definitely cracked it. And shoots a firebolt directly at the dried-out tree. Uh, the Zavala basically stops over what is now a flaming dry tree beacon surrounded by angry orcs. Are you guys going to stick around to see what happens? Uh, no. What exactly destroyed the entire orc army? The, the robots murdered them all. Oh. You guys didn't stay to watch, so you don't actually know? Does, did Elias notice anything with the, the horn and shenanigans with it? Mm. Uh, Violet's magic was taken from her. Seems to have started to gain some of it back. There was maybe some kind of process by which Violet was getting better, but you think that the horn cracked has short-circuited that, mm. uh, and so progress on her recovery is now stopped. And you now understand that the red liquid inside the vials is her blood. I'm the captain, so I say that we go to Mykonos. Out of all of us here, the only one I know that has the most knowledge of the most area is, well, you, Joan. Drop says to Kay, your daughter's been dead a long time. Sheriff Kay, the Kenku, tosses Drop off the ship and into the ocean. Drop one overboard, yeah. last episode. Yeah. And don't think of it as, like, you pushed a dude out of a dinghy or a canoe or something. Think of it as, like, someone threw a cup at a car window. <laughs> well, I was going to say that Drop went overboard and then he got thrown overboard, but, you know. Because you guys have, and you really haven't inspected this, you guys have, like, super special sails on your boat, so it's going very fast. Violet is a dunderhead. I don't know if you want to answer those accusations, Leon, but Violet has bad perception. Her passive wisdom is bad. Yeah, it's it's been decided that Violet just didn't notice. And uh, <laughs> and that's that. Mm, yeah. I mean, you have under 10 for your passive wisdom. And I think that's fair. The Violet one routinely cuts through waves with its mm-hmm. speed and angular bow. I do like to drive it real fast. Yeah, it's a hot rod. Um, which you guys have made no attempt to disguise from the boat you stole. I know. (laughs) We even put my name on it. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, everybody's really curious what happened to Drop, and we'll get there. Mm -hmm. But for now, nobody knows he's gone. Oops. So he goes overboard and into the Sea of Lorelei. Violet drives on, unaware. She probably heard a splash, but she hears splashes all the time. What's that matter to her? Mm-hmm. And she can't see from where she is. And she's just, it's just not in her personality to care about anybody but herself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, first of all, she cares about drop, but all right. <laughs> Look, uh, basically, here's, here's, what's, here's what's going on. Violet is like steering the ship. And unless someone like interacts with her, she's just going to do that until we get to where we're going. She, it's like kind of like inertia. Like she will not be moved upon. It's like, <laughs> there's nothing. There's nothing stopping her. So she's all she's doing is pressing the buttons. Yeah, she's an immovable horse, right? But Kay goes down below deck to where everyone else is gathering for this exposition meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, and if anybody says to him like, "Where's Drop?" Kay just says that he needed some time alone to think, and he'll be down soon. And he takes his seat, 
around the table. He is a murderer. He is a murderer and a liar. God. I don't think he's a murderer. I, I, I think. Well, I think he's an attempted murderer. That's a good question. Maybe we'll find out later in this episode. You might notice a distinct lack of Johnny's voice. That's what we in the business call <laughs> suspense. <laughs> <laughs> I'll call that foreshadowing, but you know. Yep. So you guys are all sitting down below deck. Uh, Joan is there. She casts Zone of Truth so that nobody below deck can lie. If you don't want to be involved, I guess you could try to resist that, but she would know. Is anybody going to object to that? Nah. Nah. All right. So she says, where do we start? Mm, I missed that. <laughs> you missed my... Miss that voice. <laughs> the homeland is... <laughs> Is strong in my diction. So, Joan, is Joan your real name? Yes, of course. Solved. Do you know anybody named Amber? Uh, I mean, most people in Calopsia have Amber as part of their long, complicated, aristocratic name. Mine is Joan, Scion of Lolf, Defender of Black Amber, the head of the House of Thousand Queens. It's long, complicated. It goes on. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you know sherry personally uh i told you when we met that i had met her you said no that's not what you said you said everyone knows about them i am everyone <laughs> Elias, this is your turn now what do you know about the influences that might be guiding the blackhearts if any it seems that they might that they may be operating under some sort of force outside of their own self-interest from my understanding and i was curious if you'd happen to know of any sort of force that would be responsible behind that yes i know everything that is to know about the black hearts i founded the black hearts i knew it i knew it i suppose you're going to want to hear the whole story (laughs) uh honestly No, I don't need to hear Some the entire up. story. She does like a little fist pump. Like, yes, got out of talking in Russian for half an hour. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to assume that the behavior of Fox and Sherry was a recent development that was undesirable for you. What behavior do you refer to? Their efforts to capture, dismantle, and return parts of ships to the planes that they came from, as it seems that the components of the ship actually come from multiple potential planes of existence. That has been Fox's plan since the water began rising. So no, not not recent. What do you know about the Moss Heart? I do not know if I can talk about it. Oh my god. Are you under a thingy? Are you under the thing? The thing that everyone else is under? You know, the thing. Hold on. What's the word for the thing? Elias, do you know what the thing is called? I can't remember. Is Which, which pronunciation do you run with, Austin? Gesh. Are you under the influence of a gesh? That thing. Joan? She taps her metal leg. For many things in life, sacrifices are required. Oh, jeez. Hmm. We've been finding multiple people who seem to be under the influence of a guest, either overtly saying as such, or at least seeming to act as such based on their actions, given how single-minded or at least driven they are. Have you seen the Blackheart's flag? I think we did the first episode about more it was. Yeah, I believe it was in the second episode. A hand, a heart, an eye. The three things that gods require. 
and sacrifice, life, limb, and sight. She taps her leg again, and you guys definitely think about Fox and his weird hand. Right. So... And Sherry's the heart? I feel like you guys are trying to get to the story I was going to tell in questions. (laughs) I suppose if this is leading to the entire story of the Black Hearts, then might as well go through it. It does not give me any pleasure to tell it, but I feel otherwise we are going to be here all night. (laughs) It's up to you. Do it. So, many years ago, I was the head of the most powerful family in Calopsia. I was the closest thing the Underdark has. How you say, uh, princess, perhaps? Ooh. Yes. I'm not sure if you know about this, but we have the Black Amber for which all of our names include, it is a substance which creates wounds that never heal. I take it you've seen Fox's wound? The the neck thing? I was, I'm going to be honest, I was hoping you were going to bring me back my sword. Oh, well, Mm. no. I'm not much of a swordswoman, but uh, it does have sentimental value to me. Well, if you wanted us to bring you your sword, maybe you should have told us something about it. Well, we have not known each other for long. I do not think I have been overly and unreasonably deceptive. I assume that you all have secrets of your own you are holding back? I don't think so. (laughs) There's just a shot cutting to drop floating in the ocean. (laughs) (laughs) Help! (laughs) I wouldn't say I've been secretive. I just don't think many details about my upbringing are entirely relevant at this time Mm. hence they haven't been really disclosed perhaps not book boy you are so innocent so simple but uh many years ago before the waters were rising (laughs) i was much more official than i am now and uh from a region across the sea from kaldu came a kobold do you know kobold uh no yeah i'm familiar with them i've read of them what are they? She explains to you, out of character, that they're a, like a reptilian humanoid race. Their main features are that they're very fragile and weak, as opposed to the other reptilian races like Lizardmen or Dragonborn. They're they're super fragile. They're basically the weakest, like, traditional D&D monster. Those are like the tiny dragon dudes, right? Yep. And they typically work in service of other things. Yeah, they culturally very much revere dragons and in their weakness often aspire to be more like them. And the other important thing to know about them is that they try to make up for their lack of physical prowess with uh, trickery, ambush, traps. They're very, like, tricksy. What's the word I'm looking for? MacGyvery? Is there a better word than that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, it's a, that's, a fair, that's a fair word for it, to be fully honest. So this kobold was sent across the sea to steal from us our black amber. And she was captured. And we took her tail and we sacrificed it to Loth. And then we, th- we threw her in a dungeon, and then I visit her as formal matter, as the leader of a house of justice. And it is, it is difficult to hold in your heart many conflicting feelings. Love for Loth, duty to family, responsibility as leader, and as woman. And as we got to know each other... Lita and I decided that we could not live the way that we were. Her stealing, me killing. 
And so we established the Black Hearts to find a way to reconcile our feelings and to end sacrifice among our people. And so we set off to try to end the practices while also showing love for our gods. And we recruited Fox and his sister from that terrible war. And everything was going great for a long time. And then I had the idea to bolster our forces by stealing Modron from the Temple of Primus. And it succeeded, but the cost was very high. And I cannot tell you the specifics. I am sure you have grasped <laughs> that there is an event that I must talk around. But that is, as a result, my leg, Fox's hand, Sherry's heart, and Lita's eye were lost. And uh, we had disagreements about how to deal with it. Fox thinks that we must take all of the foreign material and return it. Uh, Lita thinks that we must seek divine intervention. And I, and this is the source of our disagreement, feel that we all must die to reverse what we have done. I nearly succeeded, as you have seen from my sword. Mm. But I suppose this is where you entered picture, because I was not lying when I said that I wanted to find dangerous people. I suppose I misled you on the purpose of gathering the materials to make an airship. I intend for us to get this ship airborne, take the fight to the Black Hearts, and kill my family so that we may undo what we have done. So, the steel and the Modron... That might have been the what set this entire thing in motion, including the flooding? It is hard to say for specifics, but the, the events were set in motion there. I do not want to imply that the Modron are at fault. They are nothing. But I'm saying that something during that act was what set these things in motion. Yes. I suppose I can tell you that we were gravely injured during our heist. Hmm. On death's door, as you may say. Hmm. No, no, that's understandable. Uh, as I'm aware, any further details run the risk of immediate termination. It was always my plan to die, but I would like to see everything done before I go. Mm -hmm. I don't like this at all. While this is happening, Viola is singing sea shanties, <laughs> and no one can hear her. <laughs> You'll never know what they're about. Mm -hmm. I bet they're really good. They are. You all are free to do as you will. I never meant to hide this from you permanently, but I think you, <laughs> I think it is understandable why I did not start our relationship off on this foot. Uh, at, least, at least, well, not lightly. Respond with, well, in many cases, misdirection or at least obscuring of some information <sighs> can be essential or necessary. However, this leads me in an awkward situation where I don't know what I am going to be able to do after we accomplish whatever it is we decide to accomplish. I'm still trying to figure out a way to get back home. I have no idea whether uh, my efforts to communicate have worked. And if we do the things that you think might be necessary to reverse what's going on and it doesn't work, well, then, you know, then it's simply a matter of us sitting on a ship until rations are gone and soon followed by us. 
that you can sense from the <laughs> the vibe in the room that no one is taking this particularly well. Kay seems especially broken up. Hmm. You don't know why. He seems like really bummed. Dad, is everything okay? <laughs> he just pats you. Dad. He rustles your hair. Dad. <laughs> he doesn't want to talk. He's, he's in the zone of truth. He doesn't want to talk. <laughs> <laughs> so, I suppose the formation of the black hearts and all that such that was the reason why you're effectively exiled from the other drow yes they do not understand i do not seek to offend loth i only seek to make peace with what she requires and how i must live my life Mm. i honestly was worried it was something that was much more serious in terms of crimes being committed this is actually a bit of a pleasant (laughs) surprise all things considered you are so understanding. When you spend a millennia, we spend a century, rather. Jeez, my numbers are off. We <laughs> spend a century reading of various acts of heroes, both real and imagined. You see a gamut of ways to reconcile with differences of positions and opinions. And while I, while I don't, cannot say that I don't feel a certain pride of who I am, where I'm from, and what it means to be what I am, doesn't mean that I can't see things from another individual's perspective. Hmm. And in your case, you know, you put yourself in a position where, you know, you you took a chance, you took a position that you knew was going to separate you from others that you might have felt as friends or as equals, and I can't fault you for your commitment to your cause. Hmm. It's a shame you are a boy. <laughs> Maybe in another life, I could respect you just that little bit more. <laughs> to a certain extent, getting the respect of all people is a fool's errand. I can only ensure that I do what is true to myself. You get the sense that she's trolling you a little. <laughs> uh, and, and Elias probably isn't catching on to that point there, but that's <laughs> it's part of the fun there. Uh, well, that point then, if our objective is not to build an airship to get out of Lorelei, but instead to, well, kill your family, what would you propose is the best step to take in terms of getting this ship capable of taking us to your objective? I don't want to kill anyone. I do not think this changes the mission. We shall explore, we shall find the parts, someone who knows what to do with them, how to put them together. I am no engineer. And then we shall take to the skies. It would have been nice to have an orc army to fight the Mojrons, but... Uh... It it would have been, but that's not an option. However, <laughs> I think we have other ways of resolving things. Hmm. I think by this point, through what you've either seen or have heard, uh, resourcefulness is at least a resource that uh, we have. <laughs> As I've said before, we'll figure out what to do when it's too late anyway. I have a feeling our trip to Mykonos will be most enlightening. <laughs> That's where the robots come from, right? Yes, the Temple of Primus in the dead center of the city. Well, maybe I can steal one for myself. They're really cute. <laughs> maybe we should ask Ziggy what he thinks, too, because he might be able to help us. Okay, so if anyone has forgotten, it's been like 20 episodes. So uh, the Bullywugs do also live in the Cascades. 
just to break it down, the main civilizations are Meadowlark Island, which is controlled by the Glitter Gold and the Gnomes, uh, the Ragged Wood, which is controlled by the Kenku, Tiger Mountains, which is controlled by the Orcs, and Mykonos is kind of like a melting pot. It's like the Metropolis, the New York or whatever of Lorelei. And then there's the Cascade, which is like kind of like Hawaii. It's like six islands or so, although a bunch of them have sunk mm-hmm. um, and it's getting worse. Yeah, so the the Drow have their city under one of them. The Kuatoa have theirs under a different one, and the Bullywugs have, you don't know exactly where, but also, they're all subterranean, except for the Kuatoa, which also control the surface. So, if you need any more clarification, that's the uh, the quick and dirty breakdown of Lorelei. Yes. The only other civilizations that you're aware of are the Goblin and Knoll situ- civilizations, which are gone. <laughs> they were at the foot of the Tiger Mountains, so they're all dead. And then the Kobolds, which you now understand Lita is, which are not native to Lorelei, so she's an outsider. Mm-hmm. I'll talk to Ziggy and see if he can give me any information. Sure. So you guys break up, and it's, I mean, before those conversations happen, and we'll, we will have level up conversations because everyone's level four now, uh, it becomes mm-hmm. clear that Drop is missing. What? I assume that you guys <laughs> panic and tear the ship apart to find him mm-hmm. and don't find him because he's not here. I won't make you roll. He's not here. What do you guys do about that? What what where where are we all right now? Like you said we just noticed Drop is missing. Like you guys are about a day from the Tiger Mountains because you guys got on the right. ship, you debriefed, maybe you guys probably got your clothes cleaned and you maybe ate something and then you came down to have this conversation. So Okay. Understood. We have to go back and look for him. Yep, that's what Violet does. She immediately she doesn't know, think think to do anything else and she she like does like a, you know, U turn <laughs> or whatever the nautical term for that is. <laughs> Which might just be U-turn. It's a wet U-turn. <laughs> yeah, she like she's like she's like in a panic. If anyone wants to try and stop her or say anything else, you can go ahead. By the way, when you went upstairs after the meeting, you heard the tail end of her sea shanty, and it was horse, horse, horse. <laughs> Fucking phenomenal. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I have a feel. I have a feeling we dodged a uh, a bullet there. that. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'll put it in the outtakes or something. Did he Leon, record the whole thing and then send me that MP3. There's literally no chance that will happen. Um, but yeah, like Violet is spinning the ship around and saying, we have to find Drop. He's the only human we have, I think. <laughs> okay. I guess Lavinia no longer um, identifies as a human. No, no. She's like some sort of plant thing. Um, that's fair. I'm surprised that's not more of a like a source of conflict between you two because like Lavinia worships you, but you don't really seem overly fond of her, which I think might be something to explore <laughs> going forward. <laughs> but yeah, actually, okay, sorry, sorry to stop the plot dead, but I've been thinking about this. I don't think there's any white people in Lorelei. Good. Okay. I mean, Viol- Violet's uh, you know coat is white. Well, she's not. Fr- she's not from. I'm talking about the the, no, you're the right. civilizations we've established because everyone draws drop like all the fan art is like i would say like first nation or mm-hmm. like native alaskan like ethnicity it appears and i picture mm-hmm. lavinia like lauren because it's essentially just leafy lauren and she's i, I would say mildly hispanic so <laughs> <laughs> i mean okay. i guess that's the way to put it <laughs> um okay feel free to refute me oh no you're i guess you're right yeah it just occurred to me recently that, like, there aren't, I haven't established any, like, you know, ostensibly Caucasian humans in this world, which was, like, not on purpose, but okay, definitely in character for us as SJWs. <laughs> you, said, you said it, not me. 
<laughs> I knew what you were thinking. So on the journey there, dri- Violet drives you along. Uh, this is when we're going to do the level up conversations. Everyone's at level four. Um, that's kind of a boring level for most characters because you just get kind of a couple stat boosts, um, which just means like Violet can hit harder and is harder to hit. We'll still have a conversation because there's character stuff to do. Mm-hmm. But let's start with Elias because he's the one who actually gets new toys. Uh, Sketch, why don't you introduce it? I'm sure you would love to break it down. For Elias, instead of taking a fourth level in Rogue, which would incur either a feat or an ability score improvement, um, I multiclassed into the only class that I can multiclass into. Actually, that's a lie. I could have multiclassed into Fighter, but I multiclassed into Wizard. So as a result, Elias, through working with Joan, is going to be able to have a spellbook, an arcane focus, um, six spells in his spellbook as a level one wizard, plus three cantrips. And basically, he's a level one wizard, as well as having the spell casting he still maintains from his arcane trickster side. So he has a significant improvement of spells he can cast. And uh, now he's he's more wizardry, you know? Yeah. So you started off as just someone with some weapons training and you've quickly become kind of like a pretty badass spell slinger, which is cool. Mm-hmm. But I assume you go to Joan and you say something like, oh, like, ready for more spell practice? And she says, I have nothing left to teach you. I think you should uh, talk with the frog. I think he has been uh, working on something for you. Oh. Ziggy looks for, looks for, well, either looks at or looks for Ziggy. He's like, what, what could Ziggy have for me? <laughs> I haven't talked to him about anything. <laughs> yeah. He, you find him. He's uh, in the hold of the ship. Uh, like doing something and like when you walk in his back is to you and he's doing something and you can't see it and when you make your presence known you startle him a bit and he spins around and hides something behind his back does he rivet <laughs> he rivets yeah uh, uh hi there uh ziggy um joan said that i that you you might have had you might have something for me i'm not sure uh she t- instructed me to see you about something after I asked her for, well, more magic training. Half, halfway through your sentence, he cast tongues so he can, he can speak to you and understand what you're saying. Mm. And as you finish up, he pulls out from behind his back what he had, which is a homemade spell book, um, which he has pulled together from your various ruined books from your time in the ocean. And he has kind of combined the salvageable pages into a new spell book for you, which you need as a wizard. And he has put in some things he thinks you might find useful which are the spells you took which you can explain to the audience if you want Mm -hmm. and he also shows you a kind of bangle that he has made with a slot that will fit the white crystal shard you found in the portal in the ragged wood Mm. which uh once fit into the bangle will be a spell casting focus so you can bypass material components Uh, at least sort of looks at all this and is a bit stunned to say the least and uh to explain to the audience the spells that Elise has taken are the cantrips mending minor illusion and light and the level one spells he has are mage armor silent image shield illusory script comprehend languages and tensor's floating disc mm-hmm. he looks at these things he just says i uh this is this is remarkable uh thank you first and foremost but why Why did you make these things for me? He says, I, I know we don't have uh, a lot in common, but you do <laughs> remind me very much of my mentor. You're just, you're just the most talented spellcaster I've ever seen besides her. I'm sure you <laughs> have thought that it was weird that a bullywug would know magic. Um, and it's true that I didn't, 
for the longest time. No one in my town did until Welch the Blue came through. She's a, a witch of just incredible power, and she taught all of us magic and uh, improved our lives immensely and sent us out into the world to find things to improve our way of life, which is how I got caught up in all of this. And you just you just have the same determination she does, and it inspires me. And I wanted to be even a little part of what you're doing, if I can, and help you. That's very considerate of you, Ziggy. Um, once again, I all I can say is thank you and assure you that I will use these gifts you've given me uh, to uh, do what I can to, well, see us through all this and, of course, uh, keep Vinny safe as much as possible. <laughs> of course. Someone has to look out for her. The horse has no idea what it's doing. <laughs> Elise, Elise laughs a touch at that. It's like, uh, just make sure you don't say that around her. Uh, you you think that maybe bully language doesn't have a word for unicorn? <laughs> because Ziggy definitely knows she's not a horse. Not, not necessarily don't say the word horse around her. I meant this, uh, don't speak like that around her because she might, I, I believe the term they say around her is fly without a handle. No, it's fly from the handle. I. It's something. Can we can we establish that Ziggy is from Frogtown? Uh, actually, please, Rivetland. You guys have not asked. He does, his 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 place of origin does have a name. No one has asked it yet. The last thing I was going to ask you, Ziggy, is <laughs> that I assume you're from the Cascades or from that area, correct? Uh, yes, I'm from a small town underground in the Underdark. Actually, not far from Calypsia, where Joan is from. Mm. He says the name of it, and it's just ribbit noises to you. Nah. The magic does provide a loose translation in the same way that if he said Philadelphia, you would hear like right. brotherly love. Right. So he says whatever it's called. And what you get from that is hole in the earth. <laughs> <laughs> so you assume it's not an affluent place. Okay. We, we might be heading towards that area soon. So any guidance you can provide for navigating that region safely would be greatly appreciated as well. If I can be of any help, I would like that. Now that I understand the mission of this, there's nothing else that I can be doing because this is the best thing I can do for my town. I, I will treasure this forever. This is something that I have waited for practically my entire life to be able to hold and use. So... I suppose there's only one thing I have to do before getting back to work, but I'm going to need about an hour to do it. <laughs> he says, I was thinking exactly the same thing, which is why, and you see behind him where he points, he has some brazier set up. Thank you, Ziggy. And he double checks the book. He's like, and uh, if I need to talk to you about things further, I at least have a way of understanding you as well. <laughs> All right, so you're going to summon Job, I guess, was the implication there from that conversation. Yes, it is. Yes, that, there was nothing else that he could have been implying he was going to do for an hour in that room. Uh, <laughs> alone, yes, he's gonna, with Ziggy. Alone, <laughs> with Ziggy and a brazier. But uh, no, uh, he's going to spend the next hour and ten minutes <laughs> using doing find familiar to uh, get Job back. All right, yeah. Leon sent me like a message like two weeks after Job died, being like, I can't believe you killed Skitch's bird. That's so fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it like that. I said, I said, I'm surprised we didn't care that it, that the bird died. I, 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 I didn't care insofar that I knew that as soon as we came back to the ship, I'm getting him back. Mm -hmm. oh, okay, I didn't, I didn't realize that at the time. 
Yeah. Five Familiars is probably the best level one spell in the book. (laughs) Yep. Job is not actually a bird, but as we discussed in the episode where he was first created, a fey construct in like the shape of a bird. So you summon his spectral energy back. Mm -hmm. He is reconstituted and he is a glorious magpie once again. And Ziggy just watches you do the ritual and just like appreciates your technique because mm-hmm. it comes so much more naturally to you as an elf or as an Eladrin even. Yeah. That he is just like, he's in awe as a fellow wizard. So let's cut over. I haven't heard Leon's voice in a while. Do you guys want to do Violet? Violet is basically just like steering the ship mm-hmm. and, and like, gotta find drop. <laughs> gotta find drop. Yeah. That's basically what she's doing. <laughs> Violet's level up was just that she's stronger <laughs> and harder to hit. Yeah. She's just. She's just buff, and so she's steering the 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 wheel harder right now. <laughs> she's just like, yeah, to, to to give you some idea of like her level up. That is what she's doing: muscles straining, wood cracking. Oh yeah, yeah. While you're doing that, actually, Sheriff K walks up, uh huh, and just stands next to you. With a, his body language is difficult to read, mm-hmm. but if you don't say anything to him, after a while, he just says, "Uh, Violet." Yes. <laughs> I was wondering. I. When you guys told everyone about what you did in the mountains, I was wondering how do you, how have you how are you holding up? Like you killed a man, is that weighing on you? Wait, what? Who did I kill again? <laughs> the orc in the contest. Oh, oh. Well, we were fighting, and uh, I th- I thought we were supposed to. So you feel justified, and so you don't feel bad about your actions. Don't throw her a reward too. I wouldn't say that, but we were, they captured us and put us in a pen and we had to escape. And sometimes you have to fight your way out. Now, it could have gone better. Oh, yes. I think a lot of us, like, hurt a lot of people by accident, actually. Um. Oh, geez, a bunch of times. Look, I'm not proud of it, but I just, but you know, the, the unicorn way is to keep looking forward and not look back. That's why our eyes are one weird size. Okay. <laughs> Can this episode be called the Unicorn Way? Most likely, even though that made no sense because they're on this. Right. Okay. I know that's the joke. Uh huh. Um. But uh, so Violet says, "Look, I'll just be honest. Ever since I came to this world, everything's been wrong. I've been wrong. The water is wrong. Everything is bad. I'm not happy with." myself and anything that's going on i haven't been happy since i got here because a frog grabbed me (laughs) and then like water has been everywhere and i usually like water like i'm a captain in case you hadn't noticed so you know i'm just gonna you know try to keep moving forward and then once we get through whatever this is i'm just gonna go back uh to unicornocopia and like literally never come back here (laughs) which is a shame because i've made some good friends uh, especially Drop. He's the human friend. Well, gotta keep pressing the buttons. <laughs> and then she does that. As Kay walks away, he mutters to himself, just keep moving forward. As if that was the only mm-hmm. thing he took from that conversation. Mm-hmm. Vinny, what are you up to? I'm uh, sitting in a corner, looking pretty sad. All right. that's. I'm just strumming my lute. That's kind of a bummer. Singing, get out of my dreams. <laughs> And into my boat. 
<laughs> okay, I can't do anywhere. That's <laughs> done. perfect. Yeah, you're sad for a while, and a couple people come up. Obviously, your father and your friends, and they reassure you. They pat you and say everything's gonna be okay. But the most significant interaction of those is Tusk. Oh yeah, he's here. He is here, and he has his like really nice swords in a like really well polished and clean. He's wearing uh, ill fitting monk robe with some of his military. Um, stuff it's a very like avant-garde look i would say wow you're looking so fashionable today <laughs> Tusk. he orc blushes i don't know what that means <laughs> he has like grayish skin so i guess it's actually super noticeable he cannot hide it he is a blushing boy <laughs> but he has with him um a plate and he seems kind of embarrassed about it but he sets it down next to you and it seems like he made you food. It's a fish, which is just badly burned. And there are some berries smashed on top of it. Uh, and he says, guy was cook, b- but I try best because eat your paint. Sorry. Uh, oh, it's okay. Um, Joan, help with fish. Shoot fire. Uh, 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 um... I eat this fish now, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> so Vinny's face is like, she's like, oh god, if I don't eat this fish, I'm gonna hurt his feelings. But it's a fish. <laughs> she like takes a bite and then covers it with a bunch of the berries and it's like, mmm, fishy. He, he smiles really wide. You get the sense he doesn't smile wide often because of his teeth situation. Like, he's probably kind of embarrassed about it, but he forgets himself for a moment and just enjoys it. Aww. And he walks off whistling. <laughs> I'm gonna. While he's not looking, I'm gonna throw the fish back overboard. <laughs> oh, oh wow! No, she doesn't eat like meat and stuff. Oh, okay. He doesn't know that. <laughs> he doesn't know that. So she's just like, "What? Well, I can't eat this fish." Oh god! Oh god! So Violet, you're the captain. Is there anything you want the people on your boat to be doing? Because it's kind of hard to conduct a search for one person in an ocean. <laughs> What she's doing is basically retracing her steps. That's the only thing she can think to do. Mm -hmm. And she's basically asking everyone else to look over the sides because she can only look at one direction at a time. All right. So perception checks for anyone who wants to help look for drop. Mm. Can I roll a perception check? I mean, I am looking. Yeah, everyone who wants to look for drop, roll perception. Okay, cool, cool. Mm -hmm. Oh, wait a minute. I don't have terrible perception. It's it's zero. And there's a 20 for me? Damn. Dang, son. 15, which is solid. 10, which is not the worst that could happen. <laughs> you guys keep a really sharp eye out, um, but it's Elias who spots something. I assume he probably gets uh, some height to help him look better. Maybe he climbs up on the railing and looks out. Mm-hmm. And he does not see Drop, but what he does see is a long, dark, serpentine shadow under the water moving towards the ship. Okay. Something about this feels familiar. Here's the thing. It looks, it reminds you very much of the thing that attacked you in episode three. I'm not being coy about that. But as you look at it, you, you say, well, like, when you were in the water before, it looked very big because we were near it mm-hmm. and helpless. Looking at it now, it also looks very big. But I never saw the back of it quite like this because I have perspective now. And it doesn't look like it ends <laughs> so much as it fades out. Maybe down? Do you guys know about the letter M? Mm. That's a, that's the sound it makes, right? Mm? And that is the sound it makes. But if you mm. you think about how 
parts of it are visible. Right, 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 right. I, I, I think I, I think I get what you're gleaning at here. Yeah, you think maybe what you saw of it before was not all of it, and just the highest part. And as it stretches slowly towards you, it doesn't seem to be in any hurry. Uh, it does appear to maybe be getting longer, and it's come. It, it's coming for you. It, this is not a coincidence. It knows you're there. Someone going to tell me about it because right now Violet is the captain and she doesn't know what's happening. Uh, I mean, Elias will. Uh, Violet, yo, remember that thing that almost ate you when you were on the, had that chain around you? Yes, uh, it's coming after us. Oh, from what direction? That direction. You can just, you can just say points? you can just say which, that way. Elias doesn't know. Yeah, he just points to the direction. He doesn't know both terms. The important thing is it's not in your way if you want to mm. leave. If you're going to try to continue your search for drop, you're going to have to contend with it. I know we I know we've discussed this, but I forget. What do we have harpoons? Yes. Okay, we do have harpoons. Violet is not turning back. So she says, "Everyone man the harpoons. We're keep, we're going to keep going and we might be shooting a monster." Uh-oh. Not a good idea. No. But but that's what she says. I guess we're rolling initiative if you're not if you're just going in against it. <laughs> oh my god. Unless someone's gonna grab the wheel from me. <laughs> that would be a good idea. <laughs> Violet, give just me say, the wheel. No. Okay. Um well <laughs> If you're gonna help, roll initiative. Um Yeah, Violet is on the Violet can't shoot the harpoon and also steer, so she's just steering. I don't know if you can shoot the harpoon, period, but I'm gonna that's beside the point. <laughs> Uh, I'm rolling initiative, uh, 19 for me. Uh, Ooh. Job's initiative is 11. <laughs> <laughs> I rolled a 5. Leon, did you roll? How do I attack while steering? Roll initiative. Just for maybe maneuvers? Oh, okay. That's fine. Pretty good. 14. Nice. All right. So the party is 5, 11, 14, and 19. And here goes the monster. Mm. <laughs> guys, we were <laughs> guys, guys, guys. <laughs> you see that plus twenty five? We're all gonna die. Oh my! Well, Violet doesn't understand that. That's what just happened. That happened in the roll twenty. <laughs> As Violet turns towards it, and you all take battle stations, you see it begins to pick up its pace a little bit, and also. Elias, looking out over the ocean, sees behind it other shadows of the exact same makeup behind it. Not as if there's... Here's the thing. It's not like, oh, now there's more. It's behind it. It's more As of it. if yeah. it's the same. More of it. Yeah, there's more of it. And here's a thought that goes through Elias's head, is that when you came here and you heard rumors that, like, since the water's been rising, monsters have been attacking ships. That's why no one can leave, because the deep water has lots of monsters. You said, right, right, that makes sense. But you never really stopped to think, like, why? Or, like, how? How are a bunch of sea monsters coordinating attacks on ships? But it occurs to you now, it would be a lot easier to keep everyone from leaving if it was only one monster mm. who stretched from one end of Lorelei to the other. Okay, well, uh, I, I can't inform Violet yet that this is a stupid fucking idea. <laughs> so, until it's my turn, so... Yeah. For the monster's turn, it just goes in your direction, and it looks like it's trying to get under your ship. 
It doesn't seem to have any interest in surfacing. It seems it goes straight under the ship. So uh, at this point, it's Elias's turn because he got that 19. Mm, that 19. Well, um, I don't need to roll like an investigation to infer everything you basically said. This is just sort of, oh, light bulb. And Elias just simply yells over to Violet, we have to get out of here right now. Why? This is what's been dis- this one creature has been destroying every ship at sea and keeping them from escaping Lorelei. Violet says, "Oh, um, should we go?" <laughs> I, Violet, I already go! said go. I <laughs> Well, go. Fine. Okay, Violet Tokyo drifts away. All right, so roll uh, D20 plus your vehicle proficiency, which I believe is still a plus two. Yep, I think uh, so. To see if you can now undo the suicidal maneuver you've done <laughs> that, you, that you have inflicted upon the party. Crit! Crit! You son of a bitch. I, I like, blast out of there like a rocket car. It is gone. Yeah, so Violet goes to cut the wheel real hard, and then she sees that the whatever it is, I'm being a little cagey, sorry. It's okay. It, it rise like in the way it did right before it shot at Elias and Elias teleported out of the way and it seems like that's going to happen again she doesn't fall for it cuts back the other way and actually the shockwave from the jet that shoots out this caustic apparently poisonous fluid that's been shooting out and just stripping flesh from bone in your guys experience actually blasts up next to the violet one and the shockwave sends you guys with a burst of speed in the direction you're trying to go because of that crit Violet handles it perfectly and to her advantage, and you guys are off as fast as this ship can go. And uh, it follows you for a bit, and then it seems to either get bored or satisfied. You can't really tell because it doesn't have like really readable body language. But it, it has never, in your experience, shown anything resembling haste. It has always seemed to be slow and methodical. So, God, I really wanted to shoot holes in that ship. <laughs> that was too good. Yeah. Even when she does something really dumb. <laughs> well, I I guess we're not looking for a drop right now. And then she cries. <laughs> and that's it. She cries and just goes forward, but still steering quite well because that is what she can do. Elias tries to walk over and pat Violet to comfort her while Job, you know, sits on her head and uh <laughs> always good. And Elias says, Now now now, I as unlikely as it Maybe. I have a feeling that Drop might still be alive. He's not the type to just give up on everything. Um, how far away were we we exactly from, like, shore when he got thrown over? About a little less than a day out from Tiger Mountains. Because, like I said, you guys got off, you debriefed, you ate, you cleaned up. And then there was the family meeting. It it could be, uh, I know we were kind of far, but maybe he could have swam back to the monastery. I'm sure he's okay, Violet. Okay. I'm going to keep looking forward. That is the thing I'm supposed to do. Mm. Where are we going now? Where are we going now? Because I, I forgot. Yeah, I mean, it's up to you. Mykonos or the Cascades. <laughs> I'm going to say just because looking at the map, you you guys do know that Mykonos is closer. You would have to go by Meadowlark Island to go directly to the Cascades. Oh. Oh, okay. And I mm. realize that does sound like me trying to warn you, but I'm just, I just, it's more so that I don't want you to feel like I withheld information from you. Right. No, 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 no. I, I, that's fair. I, I'm aware that if we wanted to go to the Cascades, that's a long ways out relative to Mykonos. So, mm-hmm. uh, 
every order of these explorations is totally up to you guys. There's you guys could have done it in totally the reverse way you did it. Mm-hmm. So I don't want it to, to seem like that's not the case right now. Okay. The Cascades sound scary, and they're farther away. We should go to Mykonos. Well, the Cascades has the benefit of having people that might be able to tell us what we could get from Mykonos to make this airworthy. But Mykonos might have the money to convince somebody to help us. At at this point, like I think it's the middle of the night probably, because you guys have been traveling. Mm-hmm. People are probably having a hard time sleeping. So Joan actually comes up um, from below where she normally is during the day. And she chimes in on this and says that if you guys go to the Cascades, Ziggy might be able to help you. Uh, she's in exile there, so she doesn't have any intel. But if you guys go to Mykonos, she has a friend on the police force, uh, like an informant basically that was on her payroll when she was a very influential, important person. And she says... You guys are probably going to want to check out the Temple of Primus. But in addition, if you want to look up her friend, uh, Detective Carter uh, in Mykonos, he can probably help you. See? At least just sort of size, since like I think for the sake of getting off the water's end sooner, we will do what we can in Mykonos then, in that case. Okay. All right. So you guys travel rather uneventfully towards Mykonos. Uh, I think... Probably a couple times you maybe spy a glitter gold ship on the horizon, but Violet with her crit is just like firing on all cylinders ship wise. And just, I don't know if it's, she's powered maybe by some kind of drop feelings. <laughs> drop feelings. Yeah, drop feelings. She's hell on point though. And you guys make it basically to within eyesight of Mykonos before you debrief. Um, Joan tells you where the temple is, she tells you where the police station is. She wants to know if there's anything you guys want to know, because this is the time to know. She gives, like, Elias already has his vial, so you guys don't need another one. And she does say, like, gotta do something about that horn. If someone sees your unicorn, you will be beaten unconscious and taken away to be dissected immediately. Mm, Yes. Um... Your hat record is super bad, by the way. I think you've had three at this point, and they've all been... None of them have lasted a single episode. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Elias has been kind of pouring over spells that might be able to help out in this capacity but even that's gonna be a tough one to do on someone that's not him like the sky self really easy on him but not on other people since they're not him so can, she, can how long does invisibility last for um i don't remember off the top of my head but you're like it's not going to be enough to get everywhere you guys need to go you know what i'm saying like it's going to wear off at some point <laughs> no i mean i don't want to like waste all my it's Spell spell slots yeah. repeatedly making Violet invisible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this would just be literally the <laughs> invisible Violet arc. Yes. <laughs> um, I can make another paper mache hat. Honestly, it, honestly, it would make more sense to make some sort of cloak. A horse cloak. Yes, one that. Yeah, one that would one that would it, go over her head and. That would still be a problem because at some point Violet's gonna talk and it's gonna ruin the entire thing. Dressage uh. costume. <laughs> oh my god! If you wanna, I mean, is that? I mean, Leon. Really, I'm asking you. You're, it's your character. How are you planning on navigating a metropolis where everyone wants your head? Violet says, "Like, make me pretty," <laughs> but I don't really know what else to do because I've never had to do this stuff before. The only other thing I could think of is the following. If you make the horn look like it's a fake, then people won't think it's real. Oh. I can paper mache around the horn, but like do a really bad job <laughs> so that it looks like it. Or we could put paint on the horn, or we could use some other thing. Well, somebody may have eaten all the paint. <laughs> makeover montage, makeover montage. <laughs> what do we roll for that? 
If you want to, you can just roll maybe intelligence. <laughs> eh, eight. It was not oh, a well. good gambit Is on my part. Is there something that's better for me? <laughs> I have better stats and that I could get away with. It'd be deception. Deception? Oh, please. Can I deception? Yeah, sure. Oh, god damn. <laughs> I rolled a ten. Look, let's just not even... <laughs> it's mediocre, but that's not necessarily a bad thing because that might even add to it. Yeah. Right? Because mm-hmm. then it's just like, oh, that's a bad horse costume. <laughs> that's a bad fake horn you got there. Now, should Vinny, like, try to disguise herself at all? Who are you asking? <laughs> uh, Vinny is going to say that, but without speaking in the third person, to <laughs> Joan. She she says, I, I do not know yet you could pull off any of my outfits. <laughs> no offense. <laughs> oh wow. God. Wow. What did I do to you? God. I didn't mean it like that. No, I'm sorry. Oh my god! <laughs> I, I think I think Joan simply means that she's taller than you by a good amount, and the clothes wouldn't fit right. Okay. And I am not as gifted in the chest department. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> um. So yeah, are you doing anything in particular, Finny? Um. Is there like a cloak around I can just put over my leaf hair? Yeah. Sure. We can find somebody's cl- clothes. Yeah. Yeah. I just put like a, like a big like. Like a hooded cloak on and hood myself. Under cover of night, Ziggy pulls as close to the shore as he can. And I guess you guys clamber onto land. The best way to think about Mykonos is as Venice is now. Venice, Italy. Um, Because it's sinking, I guess, is the obvious one. Mm. But also in that it's always been coastal and made for boats. It's it's a very, like, seaside kind of community. So it's... Very moist. It's very moist. There are already canals that run between the streets. Those are like the lines of demarcation as opposed to like paved roads as we think of them. So it's it's definitely flooding and bad, and we'll have to deal with that as it comes to it. But is it, this isn't like people who've never seen water. So they've sandbagged things. They actually have adjustable docks, which is a, a real thing that like when the tide goes in and out, they raise and lower. So there's actually surviving docks that you see on the outskirts. And um, it looks to be like a vibrant boating community there's like people all over the docks loading and unloading like it's this is not a dead city this is not abandoned this is not rural or uh any of the things you've encountered in this campaign so far this is the first time you guys are in an honest to goodness city and so as you walk up onto the docks um strangely dressed horse a green woman wearing a shawl an elf with no pupils right and you are missing your fourth but just three kind of strange figures you do get some looks people are looking at you Mm-hmm. Um, as you guys walk across the docks in the direction, I, I guess I should ask, where are you going first? Let's go to the police first. Mm-hmm. Once we're on land, Violet is no longer in charge, so <laughs> mm-hmm. she has no, she has no ideas. Is what I'm trying to say. Let's head our way over to Joan's friend to see what, see what she might know. As you guys walk through the streets of Mykonos, in addition to just being kind of culture shocked. Maybe besides Elias, he's been, he lived in a capital city. He's seen a city. He may even feel more at home here, honestly, uh, than since he came to this plane. The, re- the other two of you are kind of feeling very out of place. You notice there's a great diversity in people. You see Kenku, you see gnomes, you see orcs, you see, you actually see drow, bullywugs, and even kuatoa. Uh, the kuatoa are universally homeless um, though you don't see anyone that looks even like slightly prosperous, they're all basically begging for food, sitting on the side of the road. They're all mumbling to themselves. Oh, jeez. None of you speak Kuatoa, but they all seem to be just making kind of actually the same noises, maybe even. 
which is kind of weird. But there's a hustle and bustle to the city, unlike anything we've encountered so far in Lorelei, um, as you guys make your way through there. And that's that's the thing. This is the first like really diverse place you guys have been to in the first metropolitan. So it's a, it's a pretty it's a pretty new experience for everyone. Neat. The only thing I was going to mention is Vinny might notice something about Elias if she were to look at him since they got off the ship, and that is that both of his earrings are back on, and the Corallon one is actually fully repaired from its you know stomped and pressed state. Hey, your ear is fixed. Oh, the ear still has the wound on it. Well, actually, oh. it's healed over, but the earring is what's been fixed. It's- hey, your earring is fixed. <laughs> yes. Ah, yes. Uh, it's uh, not only that, and Elias just sort of pulls out a little sort of folded leather casing and sort of flips it open, just briefly show Vinny the thieves tools he had that broke way back when he tried to pick Violet's lock <laughs> back in like episode four or five. It's like, and these are fixed too. What? How'd you do that? Ziggy helped me. Isn't Ziggy great? <laughs> He, he he kind of is. He kind of really is. Wait, did he do it, or did he teach you a thing? And at that point, Elias then pulls out the spell book that Ziggy made, and then shows it to uh, Vinny, along with, and when he does that, she probably also noticed the bangle around his wrist that has the gems kind of set in it. It's like, he made me these. Oh my gosh, that's really cool. I'm actually a, a wizard now, I guess. Oh, shit. While you guys are having this conversation, you guys actually notice there's kind of a group of young kind of hanging out mm-hmm. on a street corner, and they seem to be, like, mm-hmm. giggling amongst themselves in a little group, and then looking over you, and then, like, looking back. They're basically stealing furtive glances at you. Mm, I like this. Do we notice? Yeah, you, you guys definitely notice. They're not, they're, they're not good at hiding it. They're, like, preteens. Ugh. Do you think they know who I am? <laughs> As you say that, one of them runs up uh, holding... Uh, a pad of paper and a quill and says, <laughs> Vinia, Vinia, can I get your autograph? Oh, of course you can. Of course she signs it. Uh-huh. This is a like a little flamingo colored Kenku. <laughs> I'm also going to give him a leaf. <gasps> for me? Yeah. And I'd give enough for him to give one to all the kids. And make sure you share with everyone. <gasps> Thank Alona. <laughs> she runs off to her friends. Vinny looks very smug and like she did a good thing. <laughs> so Vinny's Vinny's mildly popular here. She has fans. Mm-hmm. Looks like it. Nice. So you guys continue your stroll until you get to the police station. I assume you go inside. There's no reason not to. Right. And the first thing you're struck by is that it appears to be deserted inside, which is weird. Uh, the second thing is that when you walk up to like the front desk, fastened to the wall besides the reception desk, is a poster which says, wanted for murder and piracy, and then pictures of your entire group, plus drop, plus Ziggy. Oh, shit. (laughs) They didn't get your likenesses quite right. I think Lavinia probably has a more conventionally attractive frame. I think uh, they probably gave Elias pupils, because they probably didn't get a very good look at his eyes. Mm -hmm. The only ones who are named are Violet, because she screams her name at everyone. And Lavinia, because she is a celebrity. Everyone else, it just says unknown elf, unknown bullywug, unknown human. 
and I think probably drop is dra- drawn in like exaggeratedly square jawed chiseled man <laughs> like even more than he is like someone told the sketch artist like no you don't get it like really handsome <laughs> okay he's handsome but not handsome enough you get what I mean mm. Uh, and then in the bottom corner, you see it says wanted alive for questioning reward one glitter gold ticket to Kaldu per fugitive. <laughs> At least just sees that last one. There's like, well, I think we know what the value of that actually is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It does have like a glitter gold stamp on it. The symbol of glitter gold because it's a company and a religion. It's just the symbol of Garo glitter gold, which is like a gold nugget. Violet is like resisting the urge to scream. That doesn't look anything like me. <laughs> but, but but like remembers for once not to do that. Mm-hmm. Violet. But she like kind of shakes and then just like chills. Maturity. Character arc. Um that's it. Violet. Yeah. We're gonna call you lavender until we leave here. <laughs> okay. Nobody will know. <laughs> I'm glad you guys took precautions to disguise yourselves because I definitely would have had you get jumped on the way here if you had not. So congratulations on that. Mm-hmm. But you are wanted as hell. Oops. As if this were a television show, we get an internal monologue for Violet and the screen goes blood red. And she thinks, if I find out someone hurt Drop, I'll kill him. <laughs> I'll kill him dun, 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 or her dun, dun, dun. or it. Honestly, if someone <laughs> mildly inconveniences me. I'll kill them anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, guys. Hmm? Yeah. What do you think Drop's been up to this whole time? I don't know. Why don't you tell us? I don't know. How are you feeling, Drop? You just got thrown over the side of a pretty quick-moving ship with those, let's call them strange sails, making it move at mm-hmm. quite a pace. That was not a, that was not a soft landing. No, no. I mean, um, it was it was probably a little a little rough. And I also imagine that your chest wound is probably not playing nice with all that salt water. It's it's just not a great thing. That... I mean, you know, like I was I was uh, I was fully healed up, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, salt water is a pretty bad irritant. So it's, it's not great. You're at full health. You've leveled up to level four. You're harder to hit and you hit harder, mm-hmm. which is kind of the level four thing. Um, so you're not in any immediate danger. But as you you know struggle your way back up to the surface and watch the violet one disappear over the horizon, there are a number of problems that you're faced with. Yep. Is there anything Drop does or thinks that you would like to address at this moment? I think this is this is actually probably a pretty new experience for Drop. He's mostly used to people just kind of dying on him. <laughs> yeah. Watching uh, the only friends he's made since leaving the monastery kind of sail away from him in cavalier manner is probably pretty upsetting to him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, immediately, I suppose, he would probably just kind of, like, look around, see if there's, like anything sort of nearby while the rising panic in him sort of comes to a crescendo. 
this is kind of the open ocean. So I don't think you're going to find any like convenient like rafts or anything out here. But I imagine as you're splashing around looking for something, anything mm. uh, to improve your situation, it occurs to drop that the, the order of the calm waters taught kind of acceptance of the world as it is. Yeah. And that was why they were so understanding of drop is like if he is cursed, if then that's that is it. You know, that's that's his life. That's our life with him. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how much time he's given to reflect on Shay Thane's conduct, demeanor. That's up for your character to kind of sort through. But it occurs to you that maybe what she was so upset about wasn't that you left her to die. Because, I mean, the order teaches that that is just another part of life. So much as that when she found that you had left her to die, she was afraid. She had spent her whole life preparing for death. And then when it came, she couldn't accept it. And I have to imagine that was incredibly shameful, mm. perhaps even more so because then she went and did something about it, which may have been even worse. Yeah. And I think Drop's immediate reaction to the situation, which is to like try to find a way out uh, and not to just sit there and accept death is, I don't know, how does that, how does that how does that get reconciled in his head? Is there, I, Im- is immediately, immediately, it's it's just kind of reflexive, mm-hmm. you know. Like one of the one of the things about about Drop, he's young, he's still quite young, and he hasn't really dedicated his entire life to the Order. He was only picked up when he was a teenager, so he's really only been with them for at most, I'd probably say about ten years, mm-hmm. and that's not that's not really a long time. To sort of beat behaviors out of someone, you know, to temper them, mm-hmm. I suppose is a better uh, is, is a better term. So he still he still has very emotional reactions to things. He still has very guttural physical reactions to things. So hitting the water quite fast, a uh, little bit of panic, not sure what's going on, watching the ship kind of like sail away into the horizon. It takes him a couple of minutes to actually settle in, as it were, mm-hmm. to kind of realize that that maybe this is it. So drop because of the game D and D is <laughs> has all of his stuff. I'm not going to say that you were like you know naked. I hear so you have your staff, you have your pack, which is waterproof. Mm-hmm. So you're not com- you're not totally helpless. Right. I'm curious if that's any consolation to you, and I guess probably probably not. <laughs> you know, like I said, it probably takes a couple of minutes for watching the ship sail over the horizon to realize that that there's not much to be done about the situation. Mm-hmm. We'd been in the ocean before, and it was very clear it was a dangerous place. As the ship kind of gets farther and farther away, I'm thinking his 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 classic personality trait kicks in and doom just just kind of takes over that it's the end and he he took he took one good try at making friends and now they're gone and maybe they're probably going to die too cuz he's not feeling so optimistic about this whole quest he's feeling more and more like the world is just going to swallow everybody and everything uh particularly after seeing Shayathane again hmm. so as all those thoughts swirl around inside of drop and his fragile sad boy mind uh i think he notices just just a couple just a the tiniest bit of blood in the water just Mm -hmm. maybe from his his chest wound just you know just a little bit of misting so so diluted by the water right i guess there's there's probably a moment where he's like 
Is sh- are sharks going to be a pro? No, probably not. Like <laughs> giant giant monsters are in here. They probably ate all the sharks, right? And just as those thoughts, you know, flit in and out of your mind, I think Drop sees on the horizon that long black serpentine shadow under the water just gliding towards him. Well, all right. <laughs> given his situation, given that the ship is riding out away from him. By this time, would you say it's it's gone? Like, it's it's out of his sight? Yeah, if you want to even take, like, one look back, that's a really great moment of, like, looking. Just, are they coming? And do my friends... Did my friends even notice I was gone? Then I guess, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna take one look back. I think what he's gonna do mm-hmm. is probably put one hand on the staff. <laughs> Maybe whisper a couple of things to himself. What would he whisper? I guess that would depend. Is he intending to go out fighting, or is he going to just quietly accept it? You said he put his hand on his staff. That seems more of a defiant gesture. Uh, it's a gesture of memory for, for Shaythane. Yeah, I imagine you even hear the words that she said to you, like, recently echo, like, do you really think you're going to outlive me, Drop? That you're going to outlive, yeah. So he would probably whisper something in remembrance of Shaythane and and his time at the monastery. I never really wrote any superfluous text about the Order from the Calm Waters. Mm-hmm. But maybe um, after a couple of fond remembrances and thanks for the people at the monastery accepting him for who he is, then... He's going to say, well, I at least don't know any masters of the calm waters who died like this. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he sees the the thing coming for him and just eyes open, hand on staff, accepts it? I think it would be in his character, too. Yeah. At this point in time, this is like, this is, because like that, that time when, uh, in the forest, mm. when he just, he wasn't doing anything against the tree monster. He was just like, ah, oh, everything's fucked. Hmm. Only this time, this time I think he's a little bit more prepared for it. <laughs> Some character development. <laughs> no, I just, I just mean in the sense that, that like seeing, seeing Shayathane and kind of like seeing the last place, place that he ever saw home sort of fall apart. I think he's, he's a little bit more, he's a little bit more attuned to the fact that sometimes you just can't hold on to things. That sometimes they just go. That he spent so much of his life chasing after holding on to permanent things that it never occurred to him that, that things are, are not permanent, that friendships are not permanent, that acquaintances are not permanent, that your place in the world is not permanent, that things change, and that a part of that sometimes is having to face the truth of where your life has led. So, hmm. yeah, I think he's a little bit more prepared. So... <laughs> As Drop prepares to die pretty uh, unambiguously, uh, he does, because he faces it head on, sees emerging from behind a cloud over the shadow, the airship Zavala, as if in pursuit of the underwater monster, which is coming for you with a purpose which, which leads you to believe it knows you're there. You're reminded of the blood in the water. You don't know exactly how it operates. Mm-hmm. But it looks like the Zavala is following it, and it is coming after you. He would find that curious. Yeah, that would interest him. So I guess that would kind of maybe rouse him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> how high up is the Zavala? It's just broken down below the cloud line. Mm-hmm. 
So, yeah, I mean, you looking at it, you think that if you signal to it, it can probably descend a significant amount before it gets to you. And a quick look at the chest wound and, like, a poke of the finger shows that, yeah, it's like, it is the chest wound that's bleeding in the water? It's just a couple of drops. Just not, I mean, it wouldn't be, even be notable if it wasn't the only thing going on in for miles in this ocean. Okay, well, um, hmm. Woody. Woody signaled to Zavala. He has no reason to trust the people on the Zavala. I mean, even though Dr. Sherry has been nice to Lavinia, he has mixed feelings about Lavinia. <laughs> he has mixed feelings about all of them. I mean, truth be told. Mm-hmm. So how wide is this thing that's coming for him? From what you can see of the shadow, and it's not, you don't have a great perspective because you're in the water with it. Yeah. It appears to be about as wide as the biggest ship you've ever seen. Okay, so I could, you know, considering that I can move pretty quickly, I would be able to swim from side to side of it pretty reliably. Like, I mean, you know, before it got to me, essentially. So I could alter my position to see if this thing was really chasing after me. Yeah. Okay, I think he would. I think he would try that again, more out of curiosity than anything else. Mm-hmm. He's still, he's still obviously not, not like, oh my god, I've solved the problem. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know what you're saying. You use your sexy athletic swimmer's body to move pretty quickly to judge its reaction, and it immediately, as if like on a string, uh, changes course to come directly for you, as if magnetized. It's heading right for me. Then, oh, it's super into you. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm-hmm. And it's been, what, 13, 14 episodes since you've seen this? So I do want to remind you, the only behavior you've seen of it so far is going after mushrooms that had some sort of flesh property and instantly stripping flesh from bone with a jet of noxious liquid. Yeah. They're the only things you've ever seen it do. Yeah, true, true. Um, I don't really have anything in my inventory to distract it because I lost my herbalism kit. So I've only got my weapons, my explorer pack... I guess the Explore Pack would have rations in it, but they wouldn't necessarily be meat-based. So I guess the question is whether or not he would signal the Zavala. I think that is the question. That That is a question. Mm-hmm. Did the Zavala correct its course to chase after the the beast? Yes. All right. This is a good question. Because <laughs> Drops, I mean, he's unbalanced, you know? Yeah. And this is a crucial moment for him. Does he choose life or death? Character development, yeah? Yeah. Well, he was all too aware that there was something wrong with Shayathane, but he still feels like something had been done to her. Hmm. That she conceded to something that maybe she wasn't necessarily completely behind. Like, maybe there was a little bit of coercion or promises or something. And then on the other hand, <clears throat> you know, the Orders of the Calm Waters, just because they accept the fact that death is a part of life doesn't necessarily mean that every time you're confronted with death, that that means that it's the inevitable way to go. Mm-hmm. That was the thing that I think frustrated Lavinia so much is that she didn't understand what Shay was saying, which is that the whole point of the Order is to have the wisdom to tell the difference. Mm-hmm. It's not a suicidal cult. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It isn't something that you, you know, like, welcome to the calm, orders of the calm waters. Here's your straight raider, bottle of pills, and Kool-Aid. Take your pick. Party's at seven. Mm-hmm. So you know what? I think I think maybe he would, he would try to signal the Zavala, maybe thinking that he could probably still do some good in this world. Or, you know, do something in this world. 
<laughs> so Drop begins, uh, I, I assume, swinging his quarterstaff, which is this mesmerizing blue color. That, and it also, I think, reflects light, I would say, in a pretty substantial way we haven't discussed we haven't discussed what it's made of but yeah. you know I don't, I don't even know if drop knows i think it's probably not it's it strikes me as kind of like the the mystical heirloom around which this uh order is based it's kind of like the the thing the master had yeah okay yeah so um and and maybe a, trying to like you know avoid the shadow getting to him <laughs> at such an easy straight away <laughs> mm-hmm. so, so swimming uh, diagonally away and waving his quarterstaff he appears to get the Zavala's attention and it slowly begins to descend closer to the water mm-hmm. and as you look one and then another and then another Modron begin hanging off the side of the boat linked arm in arm like a giant spherical metal boy rope oh god and about <laughs> about 20 of them you know I, I, every one that you've seen essentially forms a, a rope of bodies mm-hmm. the one in the bottom holds out a hand uh as low as the ship can go as if to scoop you up all right and it's a close race the beast and the ship are neck and neck with drop um let's see i don't think step of the wind applies to <laughs> I don't think there's any rules against using it in water. No, I mean, you know, if it says if it says movement speed, then I'm in the clear, you know? Hey, ain't no rule that says a dog can't play basketball. Ain't no rule that says a drop can't monk jump. No, no, it just says that a step of the wind is you can spend a key point to take disengage or dash action as a bonus action on your turn. Yeah, I don't have the book with me, but there has to be something jump related. D- uh, it doubles your jump distance for the turn. Oh, yeah, that's that's got to be applicable. Oh, yeah? Dolphin your way out of the oh, water. Yeah. All right, all right, Austin. If you're telling me I can do it, then I'm doing it. I'm spending a key, step of the wind, and we're gonna we're gonna come flying out of that water like free willy. With all your power, drop makes makes possibly the final act of his life to leap up out of the water and grab onto the chain of Modrons by the hand. And as you lift up out of the water, mm-hmm. uh, saved, you notice that whatever's chasing you does not seem at all interested in chasing after you once you breach the surface it does not even seem to consider surfacing so it just stops or does it just keep going and like or does it just fuck off it it follows for a little while just maybe on the off chance that you come back down but when it's clear that you're not it loses all interest mm-hmm. as drop is lifted off he makes the same discovery elias did well actually it, because of the way this is chronologically what elias will discover soon after because, as everyone listening knows, the Violet One turns back to looks for Drop and runs into it like 20 minutes from now and finds that it is much larger than previously thought. But for Drop's part, he is whisked away, back up onto the Zvala, and up into the clouds again. Um, as he is pulled on board onto the deck of the ship, he sees Fox, who is driving with his coat and his, his neck wound. He sees Sherry, who is just kind of standing around awkwardly. The moss heart twitching and pulsing on her shoulder like some macabre parrot and lita a figure we have not seen since episode two a woman in dragon motifed light scale armor and she is (laughs) kneeling down with a bucket of soapy water and (laughs) washing off all the modrons who are kind of 
mussed up with ash and smoke from their recent adventure. So she's mm-hmm. <laughs> she's basically wiping off their faces in a very motherly way. Right. These little sphere- spherical, one-eyed metal men. So with uh, all of the players on the Zavala in front of Drop, what does he do? Probably feels a little out of his element right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Never really been one to actually take charge unless he has to. Mm-hmm. He probably just kind of, like, presents himself. <laughs> like, you know, stands in a position at which everybody is capable of noticing him non-aggressively. Yeah. Still doesn't know what to make of the uh, the crew of the Zavala. And sort of, like, looks around at the three major players, uh, looking for which one is probably going to uh, give him eye contact first and address him. So, I mean, Fox can't speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sherry seems too nervous. She's just kind of trying to make herself scarce. Uh, so after you stand there, like, it's me. <laughs> hey, remember? Lita rises to her feet, hands Sherry the cleaning supplies she was using, and motions for you to follow her below deck. I follow. You haven't really spent much time with this character, Lita. You notice that she is a very like slight, wiry person. Uh, her armor is kind of a pale green, very reptilian. If you're having trouble picturing it, I would Google Kane, K-A-I-N, from Final Fantasy IV, although it's a little different. It's kind of a starting point. Um, You notice that the cape she's wearing, which is split kind of to evoke wings, seems to be actually made out of the same stuff everyone's sails are. Mm -hmm. So that's a a new detail because you're seeing her from behind as she's leading you. Uh, So that's new. Anything I can notice about the inside of the Zavala? It is very, very, very res- reminiscent of the Glitter Gold Nine, which you guys started the campaign in, because as as you were informed, mm-hmm. uh, this is actually the, the Glitter Gold Six yeah. that they stole, basically. So the only major difference is the wear and tear on the outside, which is from whatever they've been doing, mm-hmm. which has dulled the gold, the gold paint. It's just a veneer. Right. But she leads you down into a cabin and... Uh, motions for you to sit and basically to have a conversation she sits down across from where she's motioning to you okay take a seat you guys sit down lita introduces herself that's l-i-t-a in case my accent is bad she tells you that she's heard about you from sherry she speaks with i'm I'm not sure if i'm able to do the voice i have in mind which is kind of feminine but also raspy in a janis joplin way okay it's a little bit country, but also a little bit rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Okay. The, what I'm actually trying to get here is that she she doesn't appear to have human vocal cords, if you're curious about what she is under the armor. Mm, serious rock and roll. Yeah. She says that, like, she understands that the person you know as Joan is the person that the Blackhearts know as Amber, and that they have kind of put two and two together on a bunch of issues. And perhaps more importantly, she says, Sherry already shared with you fox's plans so you know what we're up to i think the question is do you know what joan is up to drop probably takes a deep breath and says if i've learned anything in the past few days it's that there isn't a book big enough to hold all the things i don't know (laughs) lita explains to you that joan is not your friend she is looking for people to become her own personal assassins. She's She has duped all of your friends into building her an airship in the hope that you will fly it up here 
and kill us because she thinks that will end what is happening. She is sick and twisted. And I'm sorry that you've gotten involved with her. Why would she think that? She explains to you the history of the Blackhearts, that Joan was the matriarch of an important family in Calypsia, that Leto was a foreign kobold sent to steal technology from Glittergold and from the drow and was captured by the drow, and that her and Joan fell in love and founded the Blackhearts to find a way to either end sacrifice in drow society or reconcile what Loth requires in blood with the fact that Joan wanted to live her life with Lita, an outsider, a non-drow, and a non-believer who had already committed a crime against the city, which was the original purpose of the Blackhearts. And she explains to you, and this is not <laughs> what the other team heard, that when they left Calypsia, what they did was use Joan's fortune as a, an aristocrat in her society to purchase prisoners, death row prisoners, murderers, traitors, and to sacrifice them to Loth. She tells you that together they, they murdered countless people uh, before the money ran out, and then they had to find new ways of satiating Loth's bloodlust. Because even though Joan thought sacrifice was wrong, she couldn't find it in her heart to abandon Loth. And so they recruited Fox and Sherry from that terrible war at the foot of the Tiger Mountains. And they were hoping to convert as many other societies that serve dark gods to their purposes. They, they thought that they could make the Blackhearts a powerful, influential organization, which would help all societies beholden to evil gods and allow all of them to satisfy their obligations but still be able to lead the lives that they actually wanted to. They petitioned the orcs, who turned them down. They petitioned the Kuatoa, who turned them down. They got frustrated, and so Joan suggested stealing Modron from the Temple of Primus in, in order to bolster their forces and to force people to join them. So Lita's telling me that she was a an operative infiltrating Drow society then, mm -hmm. and that she fell in love with Joan mm -hmm. and the two of them decided that they were going to be like, ah, being a drow is great. Let's sacrifice as many people as we can. It wasn't so much that they liked sacrificing people, but it was something that Joan had to do as a faithful servant of Loth. But what Lita characterizes their actions as was trying to find a more methodical, organized way to satisfy those religious requirements using money and influence and power as opposed to just like kidnapping people or killing anyone who entered their city which is similar to what joan told the rest of the party but the main difference here is that joan gloss glossed over their early days she said that they set out to put an end to sacrifice lita is telling you that what they did was try to find alternative methods of satisfying loth okay. by sacrificing other people ah i see and it's only later when they basically ran out of money to buy people that they tried to find alternative methods. Mm. And that's when they started recruiting mm -hmm. and Modron. Well, if you'll recall, uh, several characters have mentioned that the drow have actually stopped sacrificing people, which is why the Blackhearts drop off Glittergold prisoners there. So you're not sure how, but it appears that maybe 
Joan and Lita succeeded in their original mission. But yeah. Yes. And so they attempted to steal Modron from the Temple of Primus to bolster their forces so that no one could say no to them. Basically, Joan was trying to reconcile her love for Loths with her love for a non-drow, mm. which is essentially forbidden. And in doing so, she got herself exiled from drow society and found herself just wandering Lorelei. And Joan seems sad. Lita seems angry. Right. <laughs> as they recount this story. And so Lita tells you that the heist at the Temple of Primus is where everything went wrong and that she can't speak about it in specifics. And you intuit that she's talking about the Gesh, that there's this is that's where everything went wrong for them. Right. And she tells you after that, they spent a long time, years, trying to reverse what had happened when they stumbled upon the fact that Glittergold had done the same thing. And so their tact changed and they became what they are now, which is essentially a roving airship intent on destroying all other airships and throwing their materials back where they came from. Mm -hmm. But Joan didn't like that. She had her own ideas about how to reverse what they'd done. She thought that in order to stop it, everyone in the Black Hearts and everyone presumably in Glittergold who was involved would need to die. And that's when she stabbed Fox in the neck and left. Mm. And so now... Joan is going around trying to find strong, dangerous people and get them on an airship to get them up here to kill us, while Fox flies around in a futile attempt <laughs> to wrangle all of the materials that Glittergold have brought here. And I think everyone's missing the forest for the trees, and only I have the clarity of vision to see what's really needed here. Can I roll in insight quickly just to see if mm -hmm. I think she's on the level? Yep. Okay. 21. <laughs> yeah. You think not only is she telling the truth, but she's like relieved to be doing so because she's, she just hasn't had anyone to tell all of this to. Right. She says that she thinks Fox is wrong. She thinks Joan is wrong. She thinks what needs, what Lorelai needs is divine intervention. And if you have, if you have any intention of stopping what's happening, you should join her. And she tells you, that the Temple of Primus is not just a church to a one god, but actually a repository of powerful, magical, and religious artifacts. And that if you can go in her place, because she would be spotted a mile away, and you would find something that can be used to cut to the heart of this matter, something of godly power and significance, that maybe everyone else's selfish, short-sighted plans won't matter. Drop appears to consider that quite deeply, mm -hmm. and then sort of leans forward gently, and as a quick aside says, do you have any idea what that thing in the water is? She says, we, we've, been, we've been watching it, and we've been studying it, but it's, it never comes up. And honestly, at first we thought it might be several things, several monsters, but I, at this point we think it's, it's just one monster that is under the entirety of Lorelei in that it's not destroying ships at random. It, it's a concerted effort to keep as many people here as possible. It really likes blood. Things like it usually do. And uh, honestly, I have no idea how it factors in. There's clearly a piece of this puzzle that's missing. Like I said, we did something. We made a mistake. And the Glitter Gold made a mistake. 
and your friend Shay made a mistake, but none of that equals that monster, or at least we I don't see a through line. So if it's if it's related, I don't know how. Do you still worship Lolf? That's a very good question. I had space in my heart for Lolf when I had space in my heart for Joan. I think that space might have scarred over. Then maybe you can tell me a little more about the Temple of Primus. Also, would it be out of line to ask if your doctor took a look at this? Any kind of <laughs> motions to the giant stab wound in his chest that's still weeping blood, presumably. Of course, Sherry's the best there is. There's no need for traditional medicine uh, when magic exists. I'm not sure how much you know about the Goblin and Knoll War, but they kidnapped each other's children just to be spiteful, and in particular, training a warlike species like the Knoll to be medics is really just a form of humiliation for them. Um, it's Look, we're, we're all victims in this, but maybe... Sherry most of all. It's just it's it's sad what she has become, but it's also useful. She's the only reason Fox is alive because Joan's sword leaves wounds that can't be healed by magic. Hmm. So I'll we'll get you to the doctor and I'll lay out everything I know about the temple, but I, I want to hear you say it. Are you in? Are you going to rob the biggest church in Lorelei and steal their most powerful artifact in the region? If I have to. I set my sail. Fly the wind, it will take me back to my home, sweet home. Lie on my back. Clouds are making way for me. I'm coming home. our theme songs which include tears and rain an arrangement of seattle from deus ex invisible war dream Eater mix an arrangement of lavender town's theme from pokemon and Akid pella an arrangement of setting sail coming home from bastion executive producers for dice funk for the month of october 2016 are joseph timbrello Extellaris, king waza jade kirsten haslinger the cult of gorfanax tarka allison ansel Luke Powers, Michael Goodell, Wayne Witzke, Brent, Irving Royale, Athos, Radley, Ingmar Gremmen, David Page, The Black Fedora, Mirren Bati, Melanie Joe, Lana Seawolf, Toby Gleason Stack, Ruby Offer, Matthew Weaver, Emmanuel Garcia, Paul Mullen, Sarah Handley, Zenith Will Rule, Melissa Booker, Cameron Abbas, Ariel Badgerelis, Dylan, Gary Sayan, Exley, Anna Stuhlfarer, Dash on the Rage Monster, Giorgio Renna, Harrison Andrew, Christopher Charlo, Jorit, Viger Arnston, Cody Jackson, August Rue, and Taylor Hoyt. If you want to support the show directly, you can find me at patreon.com slash and you can find Leon at patreon.com slash renegadecut. 
You can also help us spread the word about the show by finding us on iTunes, Podbean, Google Play, YouTube, or anywhere else and subscribing, commenting, rating, or reviewing us. We also have a fan forum at thefunkyshack.boards.net. Thanks for spending time with us, and have a spooky October.